Welcome to the Pretty Little Riverdale podcast. We are back this week. We are in conjunction with At Brothers Comics that you can find everywhere. So we are on chapter 10 of our Riverdale saga. The title for last week's episode was The Lost Weekend. So what we find this week is that it is Jughead's birthday. And um, at the insistence of Betty, they the friends decide to throw Jughead a surprise birthday party, um, much to his chagrin. What did you think of the birthday party this week? Um, you know, I just realized we didn't introduce ourselves. We didn't. No. We didn't at all. I'm just getting right into it. I mean, you know, it. people who've been listening for a while <laughs> might know who we are. That's true. But, you know. That's true. I think we're both under the weather. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I am at C. Celine, and I am joined by the lovely. Introduce yourself. I'm Cecily. I also go by uh, Skeskily on Twitter, which is where you're probably going to find me most of all. Exactly. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry, new people. I'm sorry, old people. We will do better. We will do better. But anyway, about this party... Um, about this party. I just, you know, I I have so many notes about Jughead, and I, I sent you a direct message for um, a Gizmodo article from Australia about uh, the cast of Riverdale being all dressed up as old or classic Archie co- uh, uh, characters. And I just, I looked at it, and I was like, I feel like I missed an episode somewhere. <laughs> and I kind of feel like I missed an episode while watching this one because I just don't... I have so many notes about Jughead and I have so many notes about Betty and I have so many notes about Archie, but they're all variations on the same theme. Um, This is probably one of the more, um, I don't know, tame high school parties that I have. Just thinking about the the high school parties that I've been to. Um, I feel kind of sorry for Betty, but then I kind of don't because I feel like she brought all of this on herself. Um, trying to be the perfect girlfriend, trying, trying to be the, the good girl, you know, being only shown as, you know, somebody who always does the right thing. Somebody who is a perfectionist, somebody who's always overcompensating. But this party was just, I don't know, it revealed a whole lot about the characters. Um, I feel like it's definitely moving the plot along really, really quickly since we're going to be coming to a head pretty soon here. Um, but yeah, some of the things that were revealed about the party or at the party were pretty interesting. What do you think? Um, I felt bad for Jughead most of this episode because I felt no one was listening to him right, or respecting his wishes. And they were um, really acting like it- a tyrant I mean he was he was like a tyrant and a toddler because I mean you know there's a point at which you can say this isn't what I wanted I appreciate the gesture and not that he needed to fake it but it's Mm -hmm. like there's there's something around there's something around learning social graces that happens I think around the age of 16 or whatever and Jughead obviously hasn't had enough of stability or direction in his, his life to have learned what that was because he was horrible to everybody well, he told us he was not wired that way. I, I'm wondering if they're said. Do you think they're setting him up to be kind of like a trench coat mafia character? Because there Please are a couple no. of things. But no, there are a couple of times. Like, let me get my put my glasses on and read my notes here. So, like, there is a couple of things where um, Archie referred to him as a as a lone wolf. Um, mm-hmm. He kept saying that um, you know he's uh, he's um, 
he's he's different. He's weird. He's not like anybody else. Um, and you know the the fact that he's you know he talks about the PTSD or something that happened in his life early in his life, but he doesn't really elaborate on what that was. I I mean not that he's going to necessarily pull up and do a school shooting, but something's going to happen. And if it's not this season, which as we've said before is going is drawing rapidly to an end. I think that they're setting up something like Jughead just kind of goes off the deep end a little bit. I guess I, um, I took his rant towards Betty as really all of his insecurities with their relationship coming out. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, the fact that they on paper don't fit, they don't make sense. I think something that we have been saying as a podcast since the beginning <laughs> that they don't make sense and we don't like it. But, um, you know, one of the things after I watched it the first time, I said, okay, Jughead doesn't like his birthday, but did they ever tell us why he doesn't like it? And then when I watched it a second time, there was the scene in the, um, in the, in Archie's, kitchen where Jughead basically said he doesn't like his birthday because it basically it feels hypocritical for Mm -hmm. him to pretend to be happy one day of the year when the rest of his life the rest of his days are so terrible right and that fits with the persona of of Jughead that he wouldn't want to fake being happy just because this is the day he was born um his rant towards Betty I was While I was watching it, I was like gasping, you Mm. know, like, oh, my God, I can't believe he just said that to her. Oh, this is so mean. But, you know, it really was his insecurities coming out. And the last thing he said to her was, you're going to wake up. How did he put it? You're going to wake up one day and realize, are you going to leave me the the day Archie decides he wants you? Something Something like like that. that. And that was like the one thing she kind of didn't respond to like everything else he kind of said I felt like Betty said something to him like no juggy or something but she didn't say anything in response to that and I think I was she was kind probably of, stunned you know too stunned to say she anything. was crying by that time yeah. she was she was heavily tearing up by that time but I I also agree that um Jughead could have rolled with it a little bit more especially at the beginning when it was just a few people um he could have, you know, tried a little bit harder. Since when the is Ethel part of the inner circle? Girl, <laughs> since Veronica is trying. I like that Ethel was there because at the beginning, we're going to talk about Chuck and Betty in a second. Yeah. Um, when I saw Elf- Ethel sitting by herself at lunch, I was like, what happened to Veronica wanting to be friends with Ethel? Why isn't Ethel sitting with them at lunch now? You know, if they're going to be friends. Um, so I was glad that she was included in the inner circle. Um, and I, I like the interaction between Jughead and Ethel, that really quick interaction with them um, mm-hmm. during the party. That kind of had me in my feels for a minute. But, um, you know, overall with the with the birthday party, um, it, it, it definitely was a, a device, a plot device to move things forward. And it felt like the show was completely rushed and packed with things. It felt a little frenetic to me. Um, I, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy it. Did you want to talk about the, the party game that they played? Yes. You know, can, let's back it up a little bit um, to get to that party game. 
I I wrote in my notes that I felt like the theme this week was about control Mm -hmm. um, and about losing control in some ways. We saw Archie choosing to lose control by drinking, and that was um, pushed forward by Fred's decision kind of out of the blue to decide to go to wherever Archie's mom is to finalize their divorce. Mm -hmm. Um, So we see Archie kind of choosing to lose control. We see Veronica... um, making the same choice. She's drinking at the party. She's choosing to lose control because of some revelation she has about her dad. But with Cheryl, we see Cheryl basically losing her control after this HBIC dance off with Veronica. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I felt like there was this, this thing that was going on um, throughout the episode. Yeah, so, I think so too. I think that that's a really good observation. Um, so let's, Let's talk quickly about Veronica. Okay. Um, so it starts out, her storyline is she's supposed to testify for her dad. She doesn't want to. She's trying to stick to her guns. We saw her last week. She ripped her pearls and she said, no more. Um, <laughs> so this week she turns into a forensic accountant overnight. And her father just happens to have files in the basement of an apartment they haven't lived in. For years. I know. Going back 75 years. Going back. How far-fetched is this? Probably like, no more far-fetched than the fact that Veronica suddenly needs glasses. I know. Oh, my God. Oh, my. Can I tell you, I took a bullet for the team and did the Riverdale hashtag this Oh, week. God. <laughs> I was going to save this for later, but this just fits in here now. First of all, I didn't get to watch the show live. I got on at like literally the last minute I turned on my TV. So I had DVR'd it, but I'm like, okay, I'll just scroll backwards through the hashtag to the beginning so I can read the live tweets as I'm watching the show. Right. Why did it take me a half an hour to get to the beginning of the live tweet for that show? So first of all, Tons of folks are tweeting about this show, girl. I know. Like tons of people. And they were conveying about these glasses. Oh my God, I love Veronica in these glasses. She always like tweet after tweet after tweet after tweet just in love with these glasses. I'm like, I cannot take this. <laughs> She's the kind of girl who would wear glasses, not because she thinks that they make her look smart, because I don't think she's that shallow, um, but she is the kind of girl who would wear glasses because they're a stylish accessory that complements her her particular outfit. Um, but, you know, I mean, it was it was just so funny to me that she has not been seen wearing any kind of any kind of eyewear not really even sunglasses if I remember correctly um, throughout Mm -hmm. the whole episode and suddenly you know oh she's got to go back through 75 years worth of paperwork that came out of nowhere in a a day (laughs) in a day day. (laughs) and suddenly she needs glasses girl I just and then she's gonna go to the to the um the attorney and explain to him what's happening I'm like you guys, come on, writers, give me a break. And so somehow this now means that Hiram is automatically implicated into Jason Blossom's murder. Mm-hmm. We've kind of said that for a while now. I know. It's just, 
it's just getting too it's getting too neatly tied up for me did somebody say in the episode that uh, i can't remember who it was but somebody said during the episode that um the kids were more on the ball than the adults were fp fp (laughs) said it fp said it and I think Hermione said something like, Veronica, don't don't ask questions with answers you don't want or something. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as a result of Veronica now figuring out that the that the Blossoms have been paying her dad for 75 years, mm-hmm. some type of payment, and then they decided to stop. Now she's kind of decided to go after Cheryl. Right. Um, with the River Vixens, who it's nice to bring that storyline back that they're actually cheerleaders yes. with a dance-off. Um, <laughs> Which was filmed I, so terribly. It's like we got two moves from each one of them and then the rest of it was the, the watching the rest of the River Vixens' reactions. I mean, I'm sure that, you know, the, the people who are manning the Riverdale social media account will have or did release endless clips of, you know, the full dance sequence. But I'm like, how are we supposed to judge them as the audience as to who was the best dancer when we really only got to see maybe five, 10 seconds of them dancing? (laughs) Girl, the whole time I was watching it, I was like, I feel like I'm in Bring It On and I'm part of the, um, the black cheerleading team, the Clovers. (laughs) This is the Crenshaw Clovers. Yes watching these two girls dance and I'm Gabrielle Union thinking girl no (laughs) it's like it wasn't even that the moves were bad it was just the commitment to the moves they weren't dancing hard they were not it was just so and oh but as a black woman uh, who can twerk I was not impressed I you know I mean you know they did something very similar um Early on in the season, there is a there is a scene that the the social media people who do Riverdale, they had um, released a clip of Cheryl singing with the Pussycats. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it aired, it was they the, when the show actually aired, you see Cheryl get up on stage and then mysteriously nothing happens. It's like they cut oh. the whole bit of her singing. So this kind of felt like the same the same sort of thing. But one thing I did want to note is is I wanted to give a shout out to Dr. Patel's daughter Tina who showed mm-hmm. up, you know, at the end of the episode as one of the, the girls who didn't vote for Cheryl. <laughs> Those two poor girls. Oh, Cheryl was so mean to them. Gosh. Oh, I felt so bad. I just, you know, I don't know what's happening with this show. It's like it's bringing out, it's bringing out the worst parts of myself that I like to pretend don't exist. Like the, the really bitchy parts of myself. Like, why is Cheryl at cheerleading practice in a push-up bra? You know, <laughs> like she is wearing some serious structural underwire goodness with like a bow in the middle of it because you can see it under her shirt. And I'm like, mm-hmm. mm, okay, sure. <laughs> and even the fact that her hair isn't really pulled back. Like yeah, I know. Would never be at cheer with all that hair out like that. Like, well, yeah, you know. unless you're, you know, cheerleading slash, you know, getting ready to, to be a, a different kind of dancer. She's training for a different kind of career because she's doing mm-hmm. all of that sort of video vixen um, sort of hair slinging. That, that was her only move was like slinging her hair around. It really was. 
It really, I mean, I felt Veronica, Veronica's moves were better because she put some of that Latina vibe into some of what she was doing. And I like that, I guess. but even still, it was like, come on, girl, represent, represent the culture, <laughs> dance hard, like get out of breath. I didn't think anybody was out of breath. How are you going to have a dance off and not be out of breath? It's just, uh, like I said, I don't know what the show's doing in my brain, but I'm, instead of enjoying it, I I spend my time like ripping it apart about the things that they did wrong to it. And I think that is the difference between you and myself and the people on the Riverdale hashtag is that they're just purely enjoying the show. Yeah. And I cannot just purely enjoy the show at all because I'm just like, what? What? What just happened? I mean, there are parts about it that I really do and like that I really do like and enjoy. Um, like when Cheryl said "shoo bitches" um, to the two uh, River Vixens after they didn't vote for her, um, I actually did enjoy the conversation um, between um, Jughead and his dad. The very brief conversation, especially with his dad. I'm getting ahead of myself, um, and mm-hmm. I so I, I'll, I'll back I'll backtrack. But I mean, there are things about the show that I actually like. Like I liked that, um, you know, we got to see a little bit more about what actually drives Betty, but that's, there's not enough of that for me. It's just, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. It's just like little hits. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm hate watching the show and that doesn't feel very good. It doesn't. I feel the same way. I feel it the exact same way. Like I want, I need to give it more of a chance, but I feel like I've given it a chance. No, we've had 10 um, episodes now. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about the return of Chuck. Okay. Um, the first the first time we saw Chuck, we had a pretty um, vivid or pretty long discussion on the podcast about our problems with Chuck being portrayed as that guy. Yeah, problems um, that I didn't actually even consider that it was you and Brothers Comics who had yep. you know who had seen it that way, and it just didn't even cross my mind at all. Exactly. And so Chuck comes back and it just, I had so many questions, comments, and concerns. So he walks into the um, cafeteria and they're like, what is Chuck doing back? And I think Veronica says he was suspended, not expelled. And I'm like, how long was his suspension? Because usually you can't suspend a student for more than 10 days. Right. Um, out of school. So are we, are we supposed to believe it's only been 10 days since that episode or like that? Or was he at all? I don't know. Alternative school, but he's back and doesn't seem contrite at all. No, if if anything, he's angrier. Yeah. It was nice that he apologized to Ethel. Um, and I do feel like he has a legit reason to be upset with what Betty and Veronica did to him you know he was drugged he was almost drowned Mm -hmm. those are legit but I also agree with Betty's assessment that I'm sorry that you had consequences to your actions you know in a sarcastic way yeah for sure um I don't understand why Chuck is such a trigger for Betty as for dark Betty as they were as he was calling her um that just the sight of him would be such a trigger um, for her. Maybe because it's when he's there in the flesh, so to speak, um, it becomes less difficult for her to pretend that it didn't happen. Because Betty Mm -hmm. is somebody who strikes me as relies a lot on 
denial and relies a lot upon, you know, her just the strength of her belief that if she doesn't see it, she doesn't have to think about it, then it didn't really happen. Um, Mm -hmm. And so to have him back at school and knowing what she knows about Chuck, you know, um, he's not a person to be trusted. It brings it all back to her to let her know, to let her see that, you know, all of the stuff about Dark Betty that she hoped would be a secret um, mm-hmm. for the rest of her and Veronica's life now has the potential to be become known by everybody. And that is probably what triggered her is that, you know, the, this is the only person in all of Riverdale who knows that side of her other than Veronica, mm-hmm. somebody who she trusts. Um, but, you know, and because this person is now out and free and, you know, walking amongst the rest of the students, there's more of an opportunity or there's more of a chance or a likelihood that the, everybody will find out about Dark Betty. And that's probably what trigger, triggers her more than anything. It's not so much that it's Chuck. Chuck is kind of like a a metaphor for something else. Chuck is a metaphor for the kind of the beast within like Betty, when she was at the movie with Jughead and she says she's all about the beast within Chuck is a metaphor for her beast within. And he's, he's the darkness in her that she can't keep hidden. And because he only shows up every once in a while, kind of like the full moon only shows up every once in a while. It's like a Mm -hmm. cyclical thing for her. So it's just something that she can't keep hidden as long as he's around. She's kind of powerless against it. That's interesting. That's I, I hadn't thought about it that way. Um, when I first saw him, I was disappointed that once again, he was being characterized in a manner that goes completely opposite to the, the comic mm-hmm. book character. Um, so, you know, that was just disappointing with me. I do think it was... Um, I do think it was a a good move for the writers to pair up Cheryl and Chuck together kind of against um, Archie and his gang. Mm -hmm. Um, It it did make complete sense um, that they, because when Cheryl walked into the chocolate shop and she was talking to someone, I was like, who could she possibly be talking to? Because like for a second, I was like, maybe Reggie, but you know, we haven't really seen him. But then when it was Chuck, I'm like, Oh, that makes perfect sense. So, um, and so that leads us to them crashing Jughead's party and doing their um, quote unquote party game. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I don't know why Archie and Betty and Veronica and Jughead would even sit in those chairs and let them take over that party. That just seems so weird to me. But I guess two of them were really drunk. Yeah. I don't know. Well, you know, Archie's whole thing is that he is, Archie is like the wind. He just goes wherever, you know, he goes wherever the wind takes him. So he has no backbone of his own, really. So he just goes along with stuff. As for Betty, um, I don't know. Maybe she just felt like if she sat there, um, I don't know, maybe she could keep it at bay or maybe it wouldn't seem like she had anything to hide. Who knows? Mm -hmm. It, It was very, very strange that, I mean, I, it's been a long, long, long time since I was a teenager, so I, I don't quite have a fresh recollection of what the power of peer pressure is really like. Um, mm-hmm. But it did seem really, really strange that they just didn't say, like, nah, and then just bounced, you know, and just like, we're not going to do this. So Exactly. The other part that really um, struck me, I have this, I wrote in the notes, mandated reporters, and I'm talking about, okay, <laughs> there's two adults at this party. FP is like 
in the party mm-hmm. and then there is Alice Cooper spying on the party. So I was like, FP, why aren't you stepping in here with this this game? But then I said to myself, okay, maybe he wants to know what the kids know. Yeah, because he, he said already, himself that the kids know yeah. more than, any, than the adults do. That interaction with, we can get back to the game, but the interaction with him and Joaquin when he saw him kissing Kevin, oh, that was so, I don't know, FP is such a little chameleon. He's like... <laughs> the leader of the biker gang. He's pulling Joaquin. He's, I don't know. He's so, he intrigues me. You know, I have a thing for him. Yes, I you know. know. I have a thing for <laughs> Whenever he's on the screen. But there's like these exchange looks be- between him and Joaquin about um, Hiram Lodge. And there was something else that um, they, that he overheard them saying that he he and Joaquin were exchanging looks for. I mean, it's obvious that he's working for Hiram, but we have no idea how deeply he's involved with with things. Yeah, I kind of want to know what the relationship is between FP and Joaquin, because mm-hmm. when they showed, um, like the very first time we saw Joaquin and Kevin kissing, it seemed a little bit more believable. Um, mm-hmm. This time it was like when you, they had a nice close-up, two-shot of them from the side. And the actor who was playing Joaquin, like, he, he, his mouth was a straight line. Like, he kept his lips closed. He was, he was not really kissing Kevin back at all. So I don't know if that's just the, the, the actor himself feeling really uncomfortable or if that was just sort of like a, a direction that he got to, to be a little bit more of a giveaway that really mm-hmm. he's not as into Kevin as we maybe thought. And he realizes that he just kind of has a job to do. I felt that too. I thought it was just me. But yeah, it did feel uncomfortable. Um, you know what I was also surprised by? When um, Kevin suggested that they go down to Sweet River, mm-hmm. I'm like, I want to say the last time you were at Sweet River, you found a dead body. Why do you want to go back? I know. And, I mean, it's there. like your, your dad has already told you to stop whoring around. If you're going to bring home a boy, bring him home. You know, you don't have to go whoring, out, whoring around down at the river. Gosh. Oh. bastard. oh my gosh that was like boy stay away from the river (laughs) but anyway and then um we see cheryl making out with moose i was like come on cheryl wait 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 that was moose that was moose. oh my god i just realized that (laughs) that was moose because remember moose was carrying the keg i couldn't they walked in that was i thought he was just some you know random I Bulldog. think that was Moose because I, I watched it twice. No, you I know, didn't remember like, it. I just didn't recognize him. And then I was like, where is Reggie in all of this? Because this would like been the perfect Reggie moment to have him at this party. But maybe he was away. And where was Josie? Well, you know, that's how I keep thinking because, you know, I keep seeing their um, their their other works pop up on Netflix whenever I, I, I go and log into Netflix. Um, maybe he was away filming 13 Reasons Why, because like I said, mm. he had a much bigger role in 13 Reasons Why than he has on Riverdale. Um, and maybe this is the time that um, Josie was away promoting this other film that she did that's now on Netflix. So who knows? It could be. I, I hope it's that because I kind of felt like they the they spent so much time 
introducing characters to us, like mm-hmm. the first two to three episodes, and they haven't followed through with right. them for sure um, throughout the series. Like Mr. Weatherby, <laughs> he's the principal of the school, and the first few episodes, you know, you see him talking to um, Sheriff Keller. You see him interacting with the students, and it's very realistic that you would see him sporadically throughout the series, but he's just completely gone, which it, it makes no it makes no sense to me because I keep getting brought back to Veronica Mars, and I'm like, even in Veronica Mars, you saw that principal like every other episode interacting with Veronica, even if it was a short scene, even yeah. if it was just like an interaction in the hallway, something. Yeah, even but, on 90210, you know, you would see their principal every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, it, it. it's like, why did they start this? If they, Like, even with Mayor Givens, like, what's going, like, what's happening? There's I think just... they probably did it that way because they wanted and they needed to establish the world of Riverdale that we all know in terms of to, even though there are differences about these characters, there are characters who serve more as place settings or um, they're less characters than they are sort of, um, you know, just what's the word I'm looking for? Pillars of the town or pillars of the community. Mm-hmm. And so in the earlier episodes, we saw more of these people in order to establish the world of Riverdale in our heads. Now that we're 10 episodes in all of these secondary tertiary, you know, background characters like Principal Weatherby um, and um, Coach Clayton, um, we don't really need them anymore because now we we know who these characters are, and so the the secondary and tertiary adult characters, especially, we don't really need to have them anymore. Even if you don't have to see them, I still feel like they would be referred to. Well, um, Alice referred to him because Mr. Weatherby he did, he did uh, gave her the week. job she as did the advisor. Week. So yeah, yeah, that's really not even how school works, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) But okay. Um, So at this party, they have this party game. What is it called? Secrets and Sins? Something like that, yeah. (sighs) Okay. So um, they start off, they're doing the Secrets and Sins. Dilton Doily is um, conveniently at the party, and he reveals um, that basically outs Archie as dating Miss Grundy. Mm -hmm. Um, Betty has been outed as dark Betty. Veronica brilliantly brings up twin cest. Mm -hmm. This is the first use of that word on the show. And um, Cheryl kind of goes down on Ronnie for coming in and what's happening with her dad. So with all these secrets revealed, um, we have Juggy, jumping to the defense of Betty basically after he has just dogged her out in the garage basically. But he comes to her defense around this dark Betty. um, Which to me is just kind of, I know she's your girlfriend dude, but that's indefensible what she did. And I don't know if it was that because Chuck was kind of insinuating something about Betty or sexualizing what happened Somehow, I don't really understand why he had that reaction at all. Because mm-hmm. it's so unlike him. And see, because it's so unlike him, or it's unlike who we think he is, that sudden outburst of violence is also what makes me wonder 
the comments about him being a long, a lone wolf, the comments about him being weird, the sudden outburst of violence. I, I, I can't let it go. And I'm not going to let it go. Mm-hmm. They're setting us, they're setting up a storyline somewhere where Jug, Juggy goes off the rails. I don't want that so bad, but you know, you can't, you, you, any, anything's going to happen on this show. Anything yeah. can happen on this show. It would have been much more believable to me if Archie had punched him. Yeah. Because that's a St. Bernard Archie move. Yes, very much you so. You know, especially when he told Archie you get a free peep show every night. Mm-hmm. Um, which was so And Archie weird. didn't deny it. <laughs> I know. It's like, hello, you're supposed to say, I would never do that. Um, yeah. I think but my favorite gosh. part about that whole scene was when um, everybody was going around talking about everybody else. Like Dilton said that he saw... Archie and Ms. Grundy and, you know, and everybody just kind of had their look. Well, not everybody, but Chuck and a few other people had their, their field day with that. Um, and they talked about Cheryl and Jason and the twin cess thing. Um, mm-hmm. And the only thing, <laughs> the only thing Betty had to say was, well, Dilton plays with guns and everybody was like, so we all know he's weird. <laughs> yeah. He's a sociopath or something they call them. But yeah, I just want, I, I kind of wonder why is why are the writers letting everybody know about Miss Grundy? Does that mean she's going to come back? Maybe she won't. Maybe you know all this time we've thought she's going she's going to come back, and maybe she won't. I guess that was maybe just the setup for um, the Archie and Veronica mm-hmm. interlude at the end, which you know, we'll because they to. did say they did say maybe that's why Archie can't keep a girlfriend, and then mm-hmm. you know whatever. Oh, speaking of that girl, that whole drama with Valerie and Archie, (laughs) honey, it started in the cafeteria with furative looks across the cafeteria and then ended up at the party with, I don't know, poor drunk Archie trying to get back together with Valerie. No sympathy for his tired behind. No. None. I did feel, I'm going to admit, I did feel a little bit sad for him about the whole divorce with the parents thing. Um, You know, I I can just imagine how difficult that was for him um, to kind of deal with the the ending of his parents' marriage. So I did, for once, kind of feel sorry for Archie. But once again, he handles it in like a purely immature, selfish, Archie way. Mm -hmm. Um, with the whole thing with Valerie, with drunk dialing his dad, I would really love to know what he said to his dad on that telephone call. He said to t- um, he said the only thing he said was to tell his dad not to sign the divorce papers. And then miraculously, when you know she shows up and she uh, she shows up with Fred, and Fred says, "We're home, not I'm home." Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I'm all here for Molly Ringwald. I am all here for it. Hopefully, she will bring some fresh insight into yeah, this show but um so after the party after the fight you know fp finally decides to be an adult and <laughs> break the fight up and throw people out and i like you said i love that interaction between him and jughead where he was like now i'm gonna be fp the dad and mm-hmm. i'm going to actually parent my son and give him some solid advice right and I really liked that scene that was like my favorite scene of the entire episode um god I loved it yeah it was nice to see because I kind of feel like the show and I've said this all along that the show the adults on the show um 
don't really serve as any kind of moral guides for the teenagers on the show. Um, mm-hmm. And it's nice that that came from somebody who is considered um, a person of shadier morals, that mm-hmm. it kind of shows that, you know, no matter how we tend to draw people in shades of black and white, there's always a shade of gray and maybe lighter gray or maybe darker gray, but there's always shades of gray. And so it was nice to see that come from a character who's been painted as somebody who's, you know, sinister or a bad influence or, you Mm -hmm. know, somebody who's directionless. So I, I really, really did enjoy that scene. Yeah, it was good. But that scene was then followed by this interaction with him and Alice Cooper. And we find out that Alice is from the South Side. And he it's like he was intimating that she was also part of the South Side Serpents. Um, What did he say? You can can shed your skin, but you still be a serpent or something like that. that. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I was very interested. I think, you know, Alice is really taking this whole investigative reporter thing seriously. The fact that she was spying on the party and didn't break up the party, which Mm -hmm. seemed like a very Alice thing to do. If she was the Alice from maybe three episodes back, she would have been breaking up that party with Mm -hmm. the quickness. Um, But instead, she kind of just let it play out. And then the next morning, she comes in with what seems like the hangover kit Mm -hmm. for Betty. And, you know, they have this conversation about um, things that were happening at the party. And you see Alice has like this light bulb moment with um, some things that Betty told her about FP and working for Hiram Lodge um, and now kind of making the connections that maybe he was involved with the the murder as well. Right. I thought it was really interesting for Alice to, to, to tell, to be the one to tell Betty that, you know, yes, you can trust this person. You can trust your partner, but you don't let your partner know everything there is to know about yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, it was interesting that they came from her because that's obviously what happened, um, with her and Hal. Um, and I'm wondering, Ooh, mate, Ooh, I just had a thought. Um, when, 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 when Betty got, when, no, when Alice got pregnant, when she was Mm -hmm. a teenager, Mm -hmm. um, and it's FP's baby, it was FP's baby, but she tried to pass it off as Hal's and he believed her and Ah, okay, so I'm not going to say I just, anything else. I just, that's very plausible. <laughs> that is um, extremely, because FP, like, told her she still looked good. Mm-hmm. You you caught that in that yes. interaction. It's like, you still look good. I'm like, okay. But yeah, it was really interesting that she would talk about, you know, the things that you, that are fine, and you can trust your partner, and but there are some things that you um, should always keep, keep hidden from your partner. But she would mm-hmm. say something like that to Betty, who is partnered to Jughead, who is full of secrets. Like, how is it that if these kids accepting, Veronica accepted, who have known each other their whole lives, um, how is it that they didn't know, Archie was the only one, that it was Jughead's birthday? You know, how is it that they didn't know that FP, well, Veronica's new, so that doesn't count. But how is it that they didn't know that you know, Jughead was living in the in the drive-in. How did they know not know that his dad was, you know, kind of sketchy and, you know, they had bad circumstances? It's like 
there are all kinds of layers and secrets uh, that people are forming or that are hiding. But mm-hmm. at the same time, they're at that particular age in your life where your friends are the most important things to you. Your friends are the most important people in your lives, the most influential people in your lives. And they are, you know, having these great emotional um, experiences and um, all this emotional bonding is happening at this particular period in their lives. But while all this is going on, they're not really being truthful with each other. So, um, you know, I think that that from like a sociological looking at it from like a larger sociological perspective, that it's, that it's great that the show is trying to capture that, that, you know, this is the time in your life where your feelings are going to be the most intense that you'll probably ever feel. Um, but at the same time, you never really know what's going on under the surface. That's true. I I had those questions, too, when um, Betty was asking all these questions about Jughead's birthday. And I was like, you grew up with him. You talked to we heard about little Archie and Mm -hmm. being neighbors forever and the three musketeers. Why don't you it's in some ways it feels like Betty, like you said, Betty doesn't know Jughead at all. Like they just met like they haven't been friends since preschool or kindergarten and maybe they um, haven't maybe he's always been on the periphery you know it's always been Jughead like Jughead, and Archie, you know yeah, Jughead is Archie's friend yeah. and Archie is my friend but the three of us are not friends right which is you know I have friendship groups like that as well yeah. that makes sense that makes perfect sense um let's talk about the end of the party with Veronica and Archie on the couch that's not I know people no, go on ahead. the I know people, people on the it. hashtag were so happy about this pairing. Um, it's very teenagery that you know Archie's with Miss Grundy, and then next two weeks later he has a girlfriend and he's with Valerie. They break up, and then two days later he's true. kissing Veronica. Very very true. Mm- you know, I have a son who is basically the same age as the teenagers on in Riverdale. And he was telling me about two of his friends and the girl is basically going through all of his friendship group. Mm. She like, she's dating so-and-so and they broke up and he's like, oh, I'm just going to call her Erica. Now Erica's dating Ben. I'm like, wait a minute. Wasn't Erica just dating John yesterday. Yeah. But now she's dating Ben and like, but aren't Ben and John friends. Yeah. But now she's dating. And so it's just like, that's normal mm-hmm. with kids now. Um, I mean, kids, when I was I growing up, cause that I was a nerd, a but yeah, that definitely no, happened in my I, high school. Th- when I grew up, that would have been a fight. Somebody <laughs> would have been fighting <laughs> if you got a new boyfriend that quick. But so that was very plausible to me that, you know, they kind of have this, they had a moment earlier in the kitchen when they were talking about, you know, my dad is getting divorced and Veronica's saying, you know, my dad threatened me. My mom might not be a good person. So I thought that was a really genuine interaction between them. The mm-hmm. the scene earlier in the night in the, in the kitchen where they were kind of crying with each other. And I can see how that would lead to them at the end of the night um, kissing because that's how teenagers are. I'm not excited about this ship. I did see in the previews for next week, them kissing again. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they are going to try to be a couple or if they are friends who sometimes kiss. I kind of feel like it's going to be, um, this is such a, a, a typical trope on uh, dra- uh, drama television, but I feel like that 
they're going to try to keep it a secret because they know that um, if people find out, specifically if Betty finds out, um, mm-hmm. because Veronica knows how nutso and unstable Betty is. Um, and Archie knows that Betty will feel particularly hurt because he's going out with Veronica, but he said no to her. So mm-hmm. I have a feeling that they're going to try to keep this quiet. Um, they won't be able to, and it's going to blow up in their faces. Well, I mean, it's obvious that Veron- I mean, Veronica didn't tell her about it. And Betty even said when um, she showed up at the newspaper studio with pastries, mm-hmm. and Betty says, the last time you brought me pastries, you kissed Archie. Mm-hmm. And Veronica didn't say anything. I mean, that would have been the perfect time to say, well, it happened again, you know, or because there's no reason for her to lie because she's supposedly in a happy relationship with Jughead. So you should be able to tell your girlfriend. But I think what you said is absolutely right. She knows that this could be one, very hurtful to her friend and two, um, dark Betty might come out. Um, but I, f- I feel like they're starting to circle the wagons for the end of the season because now Veronica wants to be on the Who Killed Jason Blossom team. Right. Um, last week, we kind of had Archie getting on board with that as well. We have Alice Cooper on board with the kids. Um, I think Joaquin, something big is going to happen with this thing with Joaquin. Maybe he's going to confess to Kevin what he's doing. I don't know. But I I feel like they're trying to quickly start to wrap things up for the series. And mm-hmm. you can, I, I felt that as a viewer, um, it felt a little bit rushed to me. Um, in this, this episode was really one of my least favorite of huh. the season so far. Um, I know lots of people on the hashtag Riverdale really loved it. I saw it multiple times that this was, by far their most favorite um, episode of the season. What was it like for you if you had to compare it with everything else? Um, I really, I, I, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. I don't know that I want to say that it's my favorite episode of the season, but it's the episode where um, a lot of the questions that I've had all season long um, are starting to um, become a little more concrete like the resolutions mm-hmm. of, of, of these various plot threads are finally starting to be woven together, um, which is nice. Um, I thought that in general, the acting was a lot stronger in this episode than I've seen in many other episodes. And I don't know if that's because they focused on the characters who um, are more fully fleshed out and the characters who are frankly more uh, the most talented actors on the cast. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I really enjoyed this. I enjoyed like you said earlier, the whole um, the whole notion that this whole episode was about control, gaining control, and losing control. Um, I, I liked the fact that um, you know we saw how precarious some of these friendships can be, um, and you know just the slightest little thing can set people off. Uh, I liked that there is. Um, there was still more that they're not writing the adults off to the side, um, mm-hmm. even though that the adults are mostly B plots um, to the, the, the kids being the A plots, their plots are still really meaty and solid. And I liked because a lot of shows uh, will do that. Like when 
um, 9021 came back a few years ago. Um, and at first they said that they didn't want to bring back any of the classic characters. Um, and then when the ratings are terrible, they finally did bring back some of the classic characters, but they didn't really know what to do with them beyond two or three episodes. Um, yeah. And that was really disappointing because those are the people that we have the, atta- the attachment to. And I feel like Riverdale didn't make the same mistakes. Like they, ma- they let us make the attachments to these classic actors and actresses that we've all known, or those of us of a certain age have known for a very, very long time. And they mm-hmm. weren't quick to shuffle them off the stage. I mean, you know, the, the whole thing with FP and Alice, the whole thing with Fred and Mary, um, you know, them being center stage, even to a certain degree, um, the whole thing with Hiram and Hermione, even though we still don't know who Hiram is going to be. Uh, I like that, you know, that they are keeping the generations of Riverdale really, really, um, if not front and center, they're keeping them very present. Um, So I appreciate that. So yeah, I think that like I said, I don't know if I want to call it one of my favorite episodes of the season, but I really enjoyed this one. Okay. I, I know I'm bitching about it. about it, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, um, there were there were some high points for me, but most of all, I kind of felt like I just, you know, I was ready for it to be done. Um, it usually leaves me with more questions than answers, um, I felt like I really didn't have any like aha moments mm-hmm. this week. Like nothing made me change who I thought killed Jason Blossom. Um, once again, and maybe it's because I see the previews. Like I felt like I saw almost everything that happened this week in the previews, except for, you know, like the, the dance off or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I, I look for, I wondered about the absence of Hal this week. Maybe they just couldn't fit him in. Um, but this is one of the first episodes we didn't see him at all. Mm-hmm. And I'm very excited about Molly Ringwall. I, I thought she would be in a little bit more than just that, that last scene because she tweeted, you know, like, hey, I'm going to be in this episode of Riverdale tonight. And yeah. she was teasing that on Twitter. So I was expecting a little bit more from her. Um and I do wonder if they are going to try to work it out, which seems really amazing if she's been gone for, did Archie say like five years? No, two, two years. years. Yeah, two years. Two years. That's a long time. Um, and I do like that question about what would have happened if I had left Riverdale. Um, my first thought was, ooh, it'd be great if they just had like a one-off episode about what would happen if Archie had left Riverdale. Um, or maybe they How would it be that. different? Maybe they could do that, like if um, Fred and Mary attempt a reconciliation, it doesn't work. Um, mm-hmm. They do split up. And Archie worked for his dad last summer. But this mm-hmm. coming summer, Archie could go off and live with his mom wherever she, she's in Chicago, I think, right? I think she's in Chicago. Um, so yeah. she could, you know, Archie could go off to Chicago and live with his mom for a summer. So that's, you know, that's a, a potential um, for a really, really good storyline. Yeah, that could be like season two, Archie comes back from Chicago. Yeah. Like a changed man. Yeah. Hopefully. One with a spine. <laughs> oh, yeah. One with a spine. One who can have um, a idea and follow it through to the end. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so I think we talked about everything. We talked about um, Jughead and, 
and Arch, Jughead and Betty almost breaking up. Like, were you excited? Did you think they were going to break up? Were no, you I, I, you know, I thought they were teenagers <laughs> and they, you know, teenagers are hot for each other one minute and cold for the next. So I didn't even get my hopes up. Um, I knew that they would reconcile because it, it just, it wasn't enough of a blowout. And I've seen enough teen dramas in the, over the course mm-hmm. of my life to know how those things go. Um, so no, I, I had no, I didn't think they were going to break up at all. You know what I really liked in that the scene with them in the chocolate shop was the fact that Jughead took off his hat Mm -hmm. and I felt like that was okay. I'm going to totally reveal myself to you. He might as well have been naked. I know because I'm like, wait a minute, is his hat on that table? And (laughs) she showed him her um, basically her her self harm. Yeah. Um, So I I really liked that um, scene. That was really sweet. I thought that was really sweet, the way that they had them reconcile um, together. I thought it was sweet, but at the same time, I can't ever not hear Alice's words in my head. You don't Mm -hmm. show your partner everything there is about you. So, you know, who knows? I am very interested to see how the season ends. Because, like you said, they are just putting so so many teases out there for us. to kind of be pulled down all of these different paths. And next week, I know you don't see the previews. It seems to be a poly focused episode. Does she have and, the baby? Um, no, she doesn't have the baby, but it's more of her investigating the blossoms okay. is what it looks like. Um, they showed this quick scene of, you know, how we've been talking about Clifford's wig, basically of her looking in Clifford's wig room <laughs> He has a room of wigs and he's standing in the mirror with, it was really fast, but I think white hair or no hair or something. So something's coming of that. Um, Cheryl was kind of threatening her or appearing to threaten her. So it's going to be a Blossom Polly focused hmm. episode next week. So that'll be intriguing. I thought um, the whole thing with, uh, with Mr. Blossom's wigs was just, I didn't realize it was going to be a thing because I was just poking fun at it because it was so obvious that that they were wigs, but nobody was talking about it. So I was surprised that it's actually part of the plot. <laughs> I think Hermione called him out about she called the wigs him a to Veronica. Monster. <laughs> yeah, last week. But you know, like we've said before, they these people don't do anything by happenstance. That's true. That's true. Um, I did pay attention to um, Cheryl's brooch this week, and you were right; it was a spider. She was up um, to a, no a good. Know, this, a friend of mine, she even noticed, she says that she's going to help me with my, my plan to rewatch and catalog all the spider incidences. Um, but she said that there's even a scene where, um, not in this episode, but a few episodes back, where Cheryl's wearing spider leg earrings. Oh. Not the whole body, but just the legs. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of interesting. See, you make me want to go back and look at all this imagery with you. <laughs> like, I want to rewatch with the volume off so I can just pay attention to what's happening mm-hmm. around the kids. Um, and Veronica had on a brooch as well, and she had on that black faux fur coat in mm-hmm. the attorney's office. Um, she had a brooch on as well, and it, I couldn't tell what it was a brooch of, but you just don't see um, 15 year olds wearing brooches. I mean, so I did, it has to the, but it was the eighties. So, you know, whatever. Oh my God. I had a whole jean jacket full of Me those too. pens. <laughs> That's so eighties. Oh my God. I had a, my favorite one was a big round, 
um, rhinestone one that was about the size of a little bit bigger than a golf ball. And mm-hmm. um, somebody who I'm still friends with, uh, the, the guy that I took to my, my, um, my prom, my senior prom, um, I was a senior, he was a freshman, and we met each other because I got off the school bus one day and I was wearing a jean jacket, a pink satin shirt and like stirrup pants or something or other. Oh, and the he stirrups. Was wearing, he was wearing like um, an oversized man's shirt, um, jeans, and he had taken a glow-in-the-dark green lobster and turned it into a brooch. And so he commented on my brooch and that's how we became friends and we ended up going to the prom together. So brooches are important, you know, don't let anybody tell you anything different. Um, but here's the thing, another thing about jewelry that I noticed in this episode, how mm-hmm. did Hiram notice in Veronica new pearls? I know that was interesting. I was like, I kind of, when I saw that he had sent her the pearls again, I was first, I was thinking, okay, this is symbolism that you're back in his clutches. Um, yes. But then I was I was like, maybe that's just his go to. But that's a good point. How does he know that she doesn't have her pearls? Maybe he has someone watching them. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. And do it. Maybe Smithers could be. I mean, if you think about the, 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 the scene where, you know, we had talked about Veronica giving Ethel all of this stuff, none of it, would, none of which would fit Ethel. Mm-hmm. He, she didn't give Ethel any jewelry. She gave her purses. She gave her coats, um, a mm-hmm. couple of other things, but she didn't give her any jewelry. Um, no. And so, you know, the pearls were obviously, you know, for something big um, that he missed in her life and he wanted to make up for. But how, but, and, and to see that he specifically gave her pearls, um, it's just another kind of sinister reminder that Hiram's got his clutches everywhere. Yeah. Now I'm now that I said that Smithers probably told him, you know, because Smithers is just someone who's there in the background mm-hmm. that I think it would be easy for both Hermione and Veronica just to kind of ignore because he's just always there and not realize the importance that he could be playing for Hiram Lodge. True. Um, Ver- Veronica did have that interaction when he said, you know, is my father a bad man? And Smithers just gracefully said, I'd rather not answer that question. Yeah. Um, and it could be because, you know, he's on his payroll and he knows what Hiram is capable of. Um, For all we know, Smithers killed Jason. Girl. Hmm. <laughs> You just put me in a tailspin with that one. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> he totally could have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he could have. He could have had him doing some errand to FP. Got all caught up. Ugh. Why is it so many layers? Because Smithers would be somebody we would never miss. Yeah. Brothers Comics said that it has to be someone you won't miss if they're not there. Yep. And at this point, we would miss FP if he wasn't yes. there. They've they've woven him enough into the show. Mm-hmm. I still think um, I I still think it could be Cheryl, and she would just get you know um, protected from it, yeah, where she might sense. have done it, and they have a patsy. Um, makes total sense. Yeah. 
Okay. <laughs> now you're going to go away and think about this Smithers thing for a while. <laughs> I am. I am. I'm going to be in the shower thinking about it and thinking about all the ways it could be Smithers. Well, you'll have plenty of time to think about it because the show won't be back until April 27th. I know. Wow. I guess they are just, and people were upset about it on the hashtag, honey. They were upset. We have to wait two weeks. Well, this is the, um, you know, this time of year is when, you know, you have to set up for the May sweeps. And if you mm-hmm. don't have a full season, if you don't have 22 or 26 episodes or however many a full season is, um, you get to take all of these hiatuses, hiati, whatever, hiati. Um, um, in, in the middle of the season so that you can gear up for May, which is when the, is which is the, the big sweeps period so yeah so i mean it makes sense um i i've talked about hashtag riverdale throughout the podcast i did take one for the team they love it i maybe saw two to three negative tweets about it Mm -hmm. um one of the things that made me so sad is someone tweeted i just can't get used to this guy's name being jughead which tells me she has no that person had no background with Archie's comics. No connection. Whatsoever. So it seems like there's lots of people who don't have connections with the character. Um, I would say in the same way the folks on this podcast does. And maybe that's why they're able to just sit and enjoy, just sit and enjoy the show Probably. because they don't have any, you know, kind of preconceived notions. They don't have a, a deep history with these characters because I still feel like we're on episode 10. And I still somewhat feel betrayed by what I see Mm -hmm. these characters doing. Like I can't shake that. I feel like I'm being a fanboy who's like, it's not Canon. Right. Um, type of a dude. And I, and I'm trying to, to just give that away. But deep down, I just continue to be disappointed. Like, especially by Archie, um, Jughead, I'm really enjoying, um, I just, I'm really enjoying how they're portraying him. I hope he doesn't go kind of off the rails like you're predicting. That would be such a blow to me. But I, I do think I, I can't 100% enjoy the show because I do have still this kind of sense of betrayal. I hear you. Yeah, I think it's, um, I, I found myself thinking uh, about the people on the Riverdale hashtag, which I've, I've told you, uh, I can't really stand it for very long, but when you hear um, comics nerds who will say things about, um, uh, say, Marvel movies, for example, um, you know, that is not like that in the comic, blah, 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 blah. I find myself thinking like that or reacting mm-hmm. that way when I, whenever I go into the Riverdale hashtag. And I hate people who do that. So that's one of the main reasons I don't like participate in the whole Riverdale hashtag. I've even muted it in TweetDeck, so I can't even participate in it or see it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Cause I feel like sometimes I, I need to be off cause I, cause someone will say something and I want to tweet back. Really? Question mark? Yeah, I know. Right. Really? And you know, and I don't want to be that person. Right. So I, I kind of, I kind of do stay away for that, that reason as well. But you know, I'm glad people are enjoying it. Me too. Um, I'm glad that it's leading to a resurgence of Archie. Um, I think brothers comics tweeted us about, um, life with Archie, um, kind of a new series starting up soon. Is it Life with Archie? Wasn't it Life I with Archie? I can't remember what it was called. But the or thing My that, Pal Archie. Yeah, My Pal Archie. And the thing that got me is they were saying um, all new classic characters, which made my head hurt. Yeah. And I think <laughs> when I read the article, the the illustrator was saying that he's drawn classics so, so much. 
that he's made it his own style. So I think it's maybe addressing how it's illustrated. Mm-hmm. Whereas some of the updated versions, like the Mark Wade version, Archie looks more contemporary, like how his hair is, his clothing. Mm-hmm. And I think with the My Pal Archie, maybe it's going to look more like the 50s and 60s Archie or the classic Archie that, you know, I remember reading I as, they, a, as hope, a young girl. I hope it doesn't mean that they're going to get rid of the Mark Wade, Fiona Staples, et cetera, et cetera, version of mm-hmm. Archie, because I really like those books. Um, mm-hmm. I tend to buy them all in one go through the, 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 the digital app, but um, mm-hmm. I really, I don't want those to go away because I've really enjoyed those. Um, and I mean, of course I'll check out this new My Pal Archie when it comes out, but um, I like the more contemporary Archie and I'd like to see that stick around for at least a little while. I think it will be just for the sheer fact of the um, popularity of the show right now. I think that it makes sense for them to keep the contemporary Archie for these quote unquote new Riverdale fans mm-hmm. to discover um, discover Archie in this way. And I think it would be much easier for them to discover Archie in comic form as a contemporary Archie. Mm-hmm. But then I also think it's nice for us old heads <laughs> to have kind of like this classic Archie from our childhood to be like, oh, there's my friend. There's my old Archie. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> that, I hear I, you. that I used to love. So I think there's room for a lot in the Archieverse. Um, especially since they are getting new fans of Archie through the the venue of Riverdale. That's true. So I do think that's nice because, you know, like I said, I don't know any person who reads Archie in real life except for my kids. And that's because I, I had so many Archies laying around and I mm-hmm. made them read them. So I don't know any other person who reads Archie. So I think it'll it'll be nice for the series to have that. I agree. So I think the only two things we have left to talk about are people of color um, in this week's episode. And I don't think, well, we saw Dilton. We saw Dilton. Dilton we saw Watson. We saw Chuck. Chuck is back. We saw Melody and uh, Valerie. Yeah, poor Melody. She had, has, has she had a line? She's had one line, I think, this whole season. Poor girl. And like, you know, she's really playing those drums. Like she was tweeting about how hard she had to practice to play the drums. So like she's working hard. They can give homegirl a line. <laughs> Come on. They could have done a little bit more for her. Maybe we'll I see think... more for her from her next season. Yeah. Who could she date? Um, let's see. We, of course, we had Hermione. We had Veronica. And Veronica was speaking Spanish this yeah, week. Yeah, I was trying to figure out. I know, I know Feliz Cumpleaños is happy birthday, but it was the last part that I couldn't quite figure out. And they didn't, you know, I always have closed captioning on and they didn't even like, it just said speaking in Spanish. Yeah, I know. I saw that. <laughs> like, come on. Give us a little bit more. Um I think that was it. There was just the reference to Mr. Weatherby. So I'm, I'm going to count that. Okay. I'm going to count that, but that was it. That's all we got this week. Um, and I know last week you didn't care who killed, who killed Jason Blossom. Well, after I blew your mind with my new, I know, um, you know, my new theory. (laughs) So that's what I'm going with. You're going with Smithers. I'm going with Smithers. Okay. I don't even remember. I'm still, I'm going to still stick with Cheryl. I'm still going to stick with Cheryl and somehow FP is involved. Um, inadvertently, not purposely. 
I'm going to stick with that. Okay. Unless something amazing happens next week and we see some reveal from, is it called Thornhill, Rose Hill, wherever it is the Blossoms live? Yeah. Thornhill. Yeah. So that is it. Yeah. That is it for us. We'll have a a little break next week and we'll be back uh, two weeks from today with our next episode of the podcast. Yeah. And I'm going to try and be a positive Polly. For the next podcast. Good luck. Hello, I hello. <laughs> <laughs> so, Skessily, tell them where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter or all over your other uh, favorite social networks um, under the name Skessily. It's S K E S K A L I. Okay. And I am at C Taline, C T A L L E E N. You can find me on Twitter. And you can find this podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud. Wherever quality podcasts are sold, you can find us under the at Brothers Comics um, hashtag. So say goodbye. Bye. All right. See you guys in a couple weeks.